When it comes to EVE Online, every player wants to know the most effective tactic available. You want to know the meta. The meta controls everything. It determines what will and will not happen. Knowing the meta will alter your views, make you question your reality. It might even make you laugh. And now, you're part of it. You're watching The Meta Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Meta Show. Yes, I, I know what you're probably thinking. Mark, you're alone. And you're right, I am alone. Uh, only if alone means I don't have a guest on the show, which we do. Uh, Brisk is not here. Uh, the old man is uh, out sick. He's got a little cold. Uh, these things happen uh, in our in our older years. Uh, so instead, uh, I have brought on a worm person. Uh, don't get too excited. You've seen this worm person before. Uh, but I am very excited to have him on the show today joining us. For the Meta Show, today is October 21st, 2023. We have Cyrus Karouche of Singularity Syndicate. Cyrus, hello. How are hello. you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I hope you're not too loud or too quiet. I didn't really sound check anything because it's what kind of show this is going to be today. But um, this is it. This is the... This is the, the the jazz. You know, This is what we're going to do today. We've got, a, we've got an interesting show lined up. Um... We have we're going to talk about some new ships uh, that are being that uh, uh, have been teased uh, over the last couple of days. We're going to talk about the alligator and the Kizreel, uh, and then we're going to talk about some wormhole stuff, which is fun. Uh, if you hate wormhole shows, then this one is not the one for you. But I hope you'll stick around. I hope you'll find it interesting, entertaining. Uh, we may, uh, uh, you know, have a, a, a visit from my cat today. Uh, she's very excited. She just got a new collar. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, Cyrus, uh, let's start things off uh, as we uh, as we do. We're going to start with the... Let's go to... I have a whole separate screen for this. I have many screens. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a multi-screen kind of guy. So, we're going to go to this screen here. And what you see in front of you, everybody, is the stat blocks, as much as I can put on the screen... Uh, for the Kizreel and the uh, and the Alligator. So, what we've got, uh, the Kizreel kind of, I mean, it's the Angel, the new Angel Battlecruiser. Uh, there was a, I think, a playtest on CC uh, just the other day that um, uh, some folks got in and was, was able to see kind of what, was, what, what they're all about. Uh, some people tested some fits in there. I know because I got pinged about it about a dozen times. Um, the Kizreel uh, is a, you know, a, a, a uh, art, you know, not, an, I guess it's like an artillery boat, right? Uh, generally, it's a bit of a, bit of a speed lad. Uh, and the alligator is, you know, kind of follows the traditional uh, Garissus vibe. Uh, a lot of drones, a lot of missiles. Cyrus, what is your first impression? Can I zoom in? Yes, I'd love to zoom in. You know what? We're going to do that first. Let's start with the Kizreel. Um, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, 
it's got uh i mean the most the closest analogy i can think of uh in the other ships we have right now would probably be the slepner and looking at it definitely looks like it could somewhat compete in that category as a ship that you could use other than a slepner it's mm -hmm. definitely faster which is cool it's got a damage and a range bonus which is really nice for artillery fleets um, I noticed that the cap is a little bit weaker than the Slepner, which could be a problem. I know one common issue with uh, shield already slept fleets is how weak the cap can be. Mm -hmm. So how people get around that problem will be interesting to find out. And then obviously, because it's faction and not T2, the resists are quite a bit worse. But you have three rig slots rather than two. So that is true. It, it could be interesting. It could be interesting, especially because it's so fast. You might be able to uh, run circles around some of the fleets that Slepners would struggle or struggle with. Mm. Um, as well, um, with that projection bonus, it could really be an interesting uh, auto cannon kite ship. But uh, without having, I haven't had a chance to play around with fits and how it all works. So I'm excited to see it uh, show up on TQ. Yeah, me too. And I'm curious about this the slot layout. So we've got seven, five, and six uh, for our highs, mids, and lows, and of course the extra rig slot, like you mentioned. Uh, this uh, it, it could be argued that this ship is sort of it feels like it's it's designing itself to be uh, an armor boat. You mentioned a shield kite just a minute ago. Does does this feel like uh, does the armor kite feel like bait or an armor tank feel like bait on this ship? I don't think so. Um, I mean, with five mids, you would definitely have a lot of utility with this as an armor boat. But with only six lows, I wouldn't put uh, I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Uh, with being like a mainline brawling ship, like mm -hmm. I could see it definitely working with an armor kite comp or maybe a medium scale brawl, uh, having it slot into there. But anything above, you know, thirty dudes, it might start getting a bit too fragile or if you patch the fragility just starts getting anemic in terms of dps yeah it doesn't strike me as a as a brawler um that being said let's move ahead now to the next uh ship in the line that being the alligator uh perhaps the best named new ship we've had in a while this uh you know follows the the garissa's naming trend uh those being the the gila now the Mamba, the Komodo, the Cayman, um, the Rattlesnake, all various reptiles. Uh, <clears throat> and this is just... How could the... you forget the loggerhead? Oh, yes, of course. I'm sorry. The poggerhead as well. My mistake. Uh, you know, but it's it's one of the things I heard people complain about very early on when this was first announced uh, was that it does not have... Um, uh, it doesn't have a new model, which is true. It does not have a new model. Uh, the Kizreel has a new model. The the Alligator does not, which I, I don't know if anybody has looked at any other Garissa ships. Uh, not a single one of them has a different model. They're all just Kaldari ships uh, with camo. So what do you what do you see here, Cyrus? This is, this is an interesting one. Uh, I've heard this described as a little bit more of a brawling ship, um, you know, kind of following in the same line of the, like the Drake Navy, of the Nighthawk. What are you seeing here? Well, uh, I am seeing the same thing. Obviously, like I pointed out with the Kisrael, its uh, resists are a bit worse because you know it's faction and it's not T2. But the interesting thing is its shield capacity is quite a bit higher than a Nighthawk. Mm -hmm. um, its damage bonus isn't quite as good, but 
with that increased shield capacity, you could probably get away with one less extender and patch up the resists to be somewhat similar to an IHOC and with the extra rigging slot as well, an extra CDFE just to just to get to that buffer that you need to make that ship viable. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, because it doesn't have the same damage bonuses as a Nighthawk, it might not get the same uh, damage output, but the drone bonus could make for some interesting split DPS comps. You know, you're probably still going to be pushing like 800, 900 DPS in hams with this thing. Um, and if you're doing that and then another 400 DPS with drones, if you mix those together between, you know, one target swarmed by drones and another target is getting hit by hams, I could definitely see this uh, overwhelming some groups. But again, because the resists are not that good, I would see, I would assume that this starts to struggle in brawls of more than 30, 35 people. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing something similar and we don't, let me pull it up here real quick and see if we can uh get this in a new tab so we can and this image is so small so i beg you forgiveness everybody this looks tiny but uh this is the these are the um the traits for uh the um the old gator uh one of the first things that sticks out of course is that uh this is kinetic and thermal locked uh in in so much that the the bonus that you're getting for that Galente Battlecruiser skill level is only applying to kinetic and thermal missiles. Uh, anybody who's flown Nighthawk heavy fleets will know uh, this has been standard practice uh, with Kin on you know Kaldari ships. The um, you know like the Nighthawk, uh, the DNI does not have this problem, but the Rattlesnake does, I believe, and so does the Gila. Uh, those are both also Kin therm locked. So uh, does that factor into this at all, or do you, is it just par for the course for these ships um it so one thing that um a lot of people like to point out or complain about with the um with the nighthawk is it does do a ton of dps and it does do that but only in kin mm -hmm. once you start moving away to something else like you use thermal or explosive or em missiles then the dps starts to get a bit less oppressive it's still good just less oppressive um, I think, however, the split damage types here will be really useful um, if you start taking Gator fleets into um, armor comps. For example, one of the weaknesses for Guardians, if you're fighting Guardians, or Amar ships in general, is they're typically weak in EM Therm. Um, so if you have a ship that's bonus in Therm, this could definitely help there, especially mm -hmm. if you're going to be using... Uh, thermal drones like uh, hammerheads with your alligators but mm -hmm. i don't think this is gonna make anything especially um i don't think this is gonna sway people's decisions one way or another like if you wanted em damage in hams you're gonna go with the nighthawk over anything else maybe you go with a loki but the nighthawk just has such strong bonuses that even with the reduced damage in em you're still outperforming most other ships i think this will just be some nice kind of variety that people might try, but I don't, I don't think it's going to dethrone anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull up while I've got it. Uh, if my computer doesn't want to kill itself here, it's doing like a lot of things at once. Here are the, uh, the same, um, the same stat block for the Kizril. Uh, not too much to speak of here. Uh, a fall off bonus for your going to battle cruiser level and the turret damage for your Minmatar battlecruiser level. So, 
pretty standard, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I think you've you've kind of made the point um, that I feel like a lot of people feel like these are interesting variety. Uh, likely not going to, um, you know, rock the boat too much, uh, but uh, you know, cool to have. Well, I think the optimal range bonus here, because you get an optimal range on the skill bonuses, but then you also get a roll bonus for optimal range. So, like I said, I think that'll make it really interesting with auto cannons. Mm -hmm. Might get auto cannons with barrage uh, that are reaching out to like. 90 kilometers or 100 kilometers on a battle cruiser, which will be interesting. Or if you're using, you know, EM or face plasma, you might be getting auto cannons that are reaching out to 50, 60, which could be pretty cool. But uh, it'll be really funny to see how this uh, translates to Artie. I agree. To see uh, how far you can get these things to punch out. Yep. The uh, hang on a second. You stupid cat. Get down here. Okay. So that is cool uh i want to now uh while we've, we're, we're up here um i have to do something very fast and i'm apologies apologize to the viewers because uh, this isn't going to make a whole lot of sense to most of you uh when we were prepping for the show um you know brisk pinged me earlier this week and said hey you know i need you guys to uh you know can or he asked me if i could take you know take over he wasn't feeling well <clears throat> very busy week this guy you know he's got a lot going on and I said, sure. And I asked a couple of people if they were interested in coming on and spending some time with us. And one of the guys I asked uh, uh, refused to uh, because he didn't feel like he had anything interesting to say. So uh, I, I threatened him and said that if he wouldn't come on, uh, I would share pictures of his dog uh, with the, the audience. Um, and he didn't. So here are pictures of his dog. It's a pretty cute fucking dog. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This is, uh, this is his dog. He's got a little tie on in this picture. You can see. Uh, here's this dog begging for food. Oh, yeah. I figured chat would like this. Uh, this is what really brings all the viewers in. Here's another picture of his dog uh, eating uh, some kind of fluffy thing. Uh, and then... Oh, look. Here's a picture of his dog half asleep. Wow, look at that. Very sleepy boy. Uh, we got two... Or th sorry, three more here real fast. Here's a picture of his dog actually asleep. Uh, you like that? Great picture there. One, two more. Oh, here's a puppy picture uh, of, of his dog. And, of course, in the last one is a puppy picture of his dog and a water bottle. So, thank you, Grubu, for posting those pictures. I hope you like that chat. We are going to move on from there. Thank you for your patience, Cyrus. Oh, no problem. So, here's what we're going to talk about. Here's, here's why I've gathered you all here today. So... Over the last uh, couple of months, there have been a, a lot of big wormhole fights uh, that have popped off between a handful of groups that I think uh, can pretty pretty comfortably be considered the the top of the, the, the cream of the crop in wormhole space right now. Um, uh, those groups, uh, you know, there are uh, some combination of Cyrus's group, Singularity Syndicate, uh, Laserhawks, a you know a long time, um, you know the, the the long time wormhole hegemon, uh, as it were. Uh, Lupus, uh, the Wolves Among Strangers Alliance, uh, made up of Almost Dangerous and uh, uh, Little Red Riding Hole, uh, and then of course the the newest emergent power, that being No Vacancies, who 
have been good for a long time, but they haven't been oppressive for a long time. And they've gotten oppressive. They've gotten pretty big. So, Cyrus, you've been involved in a lot of these, these kind of fights. You've been uh, a pretty active fight man recently. I, allegedly. I, allegedly. I want to talk to you about uh, a couple things. We're, we're going to watch this. We're going to watch part of this video. We're going to, we're going to skip through some, some parts of it. Uh, again, if my computer can keep from killing itself because, oh boy, howdy, it is not liking this. I'm, in fact, I'm going to turn uh, some fans on real quick because I'm trying to do like six things at once. Anyway, we're going to watch a, a, a part of a video uh, while we're all sitting here together of a fight that you lost. And uh, I don't mean to do this to... You know, rub salt in the wound, as it were. But oh no, I'm not upset. That was this was a great fight. Like even though I lost, I had a ton of fun and I learned a lot. And uh, I can't complain. I'm glad to hear that because there's a lot of things we can take away from this. So before before we we get to uh, before we get to the fight itself, let's talk about what uh, preparation goes into something like this. So so give me give, let's give the context of this fight specifically. When this this happened just a few days ago, right? Yeah, I think three or four days ago. Okay, so uh, I assume this was a roll in. Uh, one, you know, somebody uh, somebody rolled into somebody else, and there was a a fight that was agreed upon. Does that sound right? That sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Were you the ones who did the agreeing to the fight? Yeah, we rolled in, and I think like hero time zone, maybe around three two three p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. We're like, we're gonna fight. They're like, yeah, we're gonna fight. Hell yeah. And then we said, all right, what time are we thinking? It's like four hours from now. Cool. Pings went out. Both both sides formed up, got their fleets ready. We jumped in and fragged out. Here we go. So I, let's let's take one step back. When the the ping goes out, okay, when, when you've decided that a fight is going to happen in Wormhole Space, and what a lot of people don't, I think a lot of our NullSec viewers might not know, uh, is that Wormhole Space fights... Uh, tend to happen for a handful of different reasons, but the the most common reason uh, is because one group has rolled into uh, somebody else, right? So um, if two groups connect, uh, or sorry, the most common reason by far is ganks, for sure. But aside of ganks, or aside of, of ganking, when two groups are connected in, in a chain, uh, a lot of times they'll, you know, the, they can um, negotiate with each other, find out how far away they are, and then agree to a fight. These are sometimes called honor brawls, Honor brawls maybe not the uh, the word I would use to describe it, but um, awesome. Thank you. This is exactly what I was looking for. So uh, let's go to – let me pull this up here real fast. Thank you, Cyrus, for this. Um, let's talk about what the ping looks like. Well, not what the ping looks like, but why there's a ping at all and, and, and what happens in the immediate aftermath of deciding – a fight is going to happen. So you've 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 made the, you're up your mind. You've talked to the other guys. What happens next? Um, we start planning. Um, obviously, terrain or weather plays a big part in a fight and mm -hmm. in the planning. So for example, Laser Hawks lives in a pulsar. That's a hole that gives a bonus to shield uh, capacity, uh, capacitor regen, and newt strength. Mm -hmm. And also gives a debuff to armor resist, which is definitely something you have to keep in mind. And our home is a wolf riot that gives a bonus to armor buffer, a reduction in sig, and a bonus to small weapons damage. This time, 
you know, us and Hawks, we go back and forth often. You know, one time we'll fight in their home, another time they'll fight in our home. The last time we had fought them, they had fought in our home. So it was only fair that this time we fight in their home. So I knew that we were going to fight in a Pulsar. So we had to prepare our shield comp. Uh, in addition, we knew that we have to jump into them. So we have one C5 wormholes worth of mass to work with, which is 3.3 billion uh, kilos. And in that, we have to calculate all of our friends, how many we can fit, and in what ships, and what to do to make sure that we get the biggest sized fleet possible with all of the tools that we need to win through that hole. So I, I feel like I'll, so we do. Some of you may know we do our. I do a show uh, occasionally when there is a big wormhole fight, um, where we'll you know do live broadcasts of the fight as it's happening, uh, effectively shoutcasting the match, uh, which is a a much more, in my opinion, a more visceral experience than um, you know casting what would be a you know a, a big tie dye fight because of how fast things tend to happen. Um, and how, you know, you'll never see a fight go longer than maybe an hour, an hour and a half, uh, unless groups are, are really on the gas about it. So the, uh, when, when you're, when we do these streams, people have a lot of questions about what, what, how are you fitting mass into a wormhole? Cause you said you've got at max 3.3 million tons worth of mass, right? Uh, yeah. You you need to get uh, all of you know all of your um, your subcaps, uh, all of your capitals if you're bringing them into the fight. Uh, how do you do the math that is figured up to to, to get that? Because a, a lot of times people look at the, the the battle reports for these fights and they'll say, whoa whoa whoa, there was way more than three point three million tons worth of mass on here. How'd you get it all through that wormhole? So there's a few things um, that we do. The first is obviously it's not hard for us to figure out how much mass a ship has, right? You just look at the stats of the ship. Uh, especially in a shield fleet, there's no plates to add to the ship to reduce the mass. Uh, the next is the caps. So caps obviously have mass, but they also have SMAs or ship mm -hmm. maintenance or, um, arrays. And you can fit ships in there. Um, typically what people will do is they'll fit their battleships in there and per cap that's an extra 200 million mass that you're able to fit through a hole just because you can put it in the sma of a ship so in this fight against laser hawks we had two caps so in addition to the 3.3 that i have to prepare to put through a hole i also can discount 400 mil of mass from my fleet knowing that i'm going to put it in the sma and i don't have to worry about it jumping through the hole mm -hmm. another thing is the order in which we jump ships uh, one thing about wormholes is that what, they'll collapse when they reach a certain mass trigger point, and you know the mass trigger point is you know the limit of however much mass is allowed to fit through a hole. But it's not uh, it's not like darts where you have to you know get exactly onto zero, right? Mm -hmm. If there's only if there's even one kilogram of mass left, you can jump through a dread with that one kilogram, and then it will collapse after that dread jumps through. So we also have to schedule, or I guess, I don't know, air traffic control the ships through the hull, making sure that the ships that go through, uh, we put them in such a way that we maximize the number of ships that go through and make sure the dread goes last or the whatever cap is heaviest. And then the last thing is that there is variation in mass on wormholes. They can go up or down 10%. And you won't know until you, you, you can only find out empirically. 
So by jumping ships into the hole and seeing when it destabs, you can then also find out, oh, this this hole is undermassed, so I need to shave some numbers off the top of my calculation, or this hole is overmassed. I have a little bit more grace. I can maybe put one or two extra dudes into a battleship and send it. Gotcha. So we're going to uh, we're going to take a, a quick step ahead because I want to look at the before we do anything else. I'm going to pull up the battle report for this fight. So, um, I, in fact, what I want to do first is go to the summary because I, I let's just talk about the pulsar comp to start. Right, pulsars you mentioned earlier, bonus to to shield EHP uh, and cap, uh, and also a, a huge um, uh, bonus to newt amount on on these ships, and all of this plays into what if what these these two comps are, are going to be bringing. So. Um, this is, uh, on, you know, the left side, we have laser Hawks on the right side. We have you guys uh, ignoring the caps for a minute, because obviously Hawks brought, uh, two Phoenix navies and a Minakawa and you guys brought a Phoenix Navy and a lift. Um, let's look at the rest of the comp. So laser Hawks, uh, has a, a, a clearly a, you know, of their 87 ships, almost 40 of them were night Hawks. That's pretty standard for them. I feel like. Uh, was that what you guys were expecting to see out of them when you jumped in? Yeah, I mean it's hawks. They're they like flying the night. They like flying night hawks. And if you look at any battle report, you'd be hard pressed to find fights except outside of obviously when marauders were king. Mm -hmm. You'd hard, be hard pressed to find fights where they didn't field an overwhelming number of night hawks. So obviously, we knew we had to fight those. those. Um, however, everything, everything else has been a mystery to us. Sure, we know that they will bring linglings, so there will be some vultures and claymores. We know they'll bring roots, so there will be some balhorns. We know that they will bring jam, so there will be some jam goose. But I don't know how many dreads they'll bring or what kind, right? Yes, they brought two PNIs, but maybe they bring one PNI. And instead, they decide to bring more balhorns or more battleships of another kind, or maybe they decide to bring a PNI and a fleet because they want to mix up the damage types, or they want to mix up the capabilities of what they can fight or what they can hit or whatever. So you know, you can you can maybe theory wrap like 90, 80, 90 percent of what they're able to bring, but there's the fight's not won off of that 80, 90 percent on on this scale because. Anyone on this scale who knows what they're doing knows, knows how to put together that 80-90% to uh, win a fight properly. Is that 10%, that X factor, which the enemy can't plan for, which will swing a fight one way or another. Gotcha. Uh, sorry about that chat. Uh, apparently you went robot midway through that, Cyrus. My bitrate did oh, not sorry. change. Uh, that, that's, it's probably something on my ISP side. That's my fault. I'm sorry. You did nothing wrong. You were just fine. You sounded great to me, so... Uh, we're, we, gotcha, gotcha. Sounds like we're good now. I beg your forgiveness, chat. It's, it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, okay, so one, you know, uh, let's let's take a uh, a step forward here um, because one of the, you know, I I don't want to talk too much about, um, or I, I don't want to pry too much uh, more than is appropriate, I guess. Into, I mean, I can I can censor myself. I'll uh, sure. I'll tell you what I'm taking the fifth. So let's 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 look at what you guys brought. So you have uh, on in your fleet, you have a Phoenix Navy. It's not on here, but we know there was a lift on grid as well. Uh, you had one Widow, uh, two Vultures, twelve Nighthawks, which is much lower than Hawks's uh, twenty or thirty nine. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, four Nightmares, um, a Rattlesnake, nine Balgorns two bassies that are on here i think there there were probably more 
Uh, but if, you know, Bassies being Bassies, they're not going to get on many battle report, or they're, they're not going to get on any kill mails. Uh, Twenty Tangus. Now the Tangus I find interesting because if you let's take a look real quick. Let's go back to the the main screen here. I want to pull up one of these Tangus um, because oh, you only lost one. Oh, <laughs> Ovo Beast. Poor Ovo. Um, and the funny thing is, Ovo died because he his computer literally broke right before the fight started <laughs> so uh let's let's talk about your 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 choice of tangus over nighthawks why do you like the tangu i'm saying this knowing kind of how you guys uh tend to fly you know your fleets and how you've have done things in the past uh you like the tangu as a sort of not maybe not a mainline dps um but at least certainly a a you know the the backbone of a lot of your 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 standard DPS fleets. What what do you like about the Tengu in this in this form? I like the Tengu for several reasons. One, I feel like its speed with an AB is quite competitive. Mm -hmm. um, one of the problems of being in a pulsar when you're fighting is your sig is bloomed, so things apply to you better. And a Nighthawk, for example, I mean I don't know right off the top of my head, but I would venture to guess that. A Nighthawk Sig is going to be somewhere around two to three kilometers in size, mm -hmm. whereas a Tengu with an AB and a Pulsar is maybe at 400. So if you're fighting caps, that can be really helpful. Another thing is the overheat bonuses on T3s are very, very powerful. Um, so when you heat that Tengu in that Pulsar, you can. I'm pretty sure you're going to be reaching somewhere like six to seven hundred thousand EHP yeah. with Nirvana's. And the DPS is quite competitive. Like you're going to be getting like 900 DPS out of that Tengu, out of a, our mainline DPS Tengus, which that fit wasn't. But I'm sure if someone checks our kill board, they'll see it. But the Nighthawk does have weaknesses too. Um, one of the biggest ones being that in exchange for that really strong tank that I mentioned, you need cap. And with the bonus to Newts in a Pulsar, it can be a very, very tough fight to keep those hardeners on. Um, whether that is a winning strategy or not, obviously is debatable. They've won us a lot of fights. They've lost us a lot of fights. It's really hard to say, but, um, overall the Tengu has done us well, especially because they're just flexible. You know, oh, one yeah. day we're brawling Hawks and Tengus the next day, you know, we have something we want to blops on in low sec and people just have to switch a couple subsystems and off we go. Uh, rather than, you know, if you have Nighthawks, you can't really blobs with those. So. Right on. So I, I want to talk about three more things, two of them from you guys, and one or two of them are the same, or one of them are the same from both of you. Let's talk about Balgorns for a second, because we, we mentioned earlier the Pulsar gives you a bonus to Newt amount, Newt and Nos amount, I believe. Uh, and clearly there were a lot of Bals in this grid. This might be something that, that people who aren't familiar with how um, wormhole fights, especially wormhole fights with what we would call apex level triage. Um, that people who, who aren't familiar with, with how those fights happen might wonder, why do you need so many? I mean, why do you need nine Balgorns? That feels like a lot of Balgorns, right? Uh, especially yeah. if you, if you look at, I mean, if we, if we go to, you know, pull up one of these Hawks Balgorns, right? These Balgorns, I think it could be, it's pretty clear. These Balgorns fuck pretty hard. Um, I mean, this, these are you know X types in the highs, A types in the mids, uh, you know, and a rack of factions in the lows. Um, this is a six billion esque Balgorn when you count the pod as well. Uh, actually, I think with, yeah, with with the pod, um, or no, with the fit. Jesus. Uh, so my, I guess my question is, 
why so many? Why do you, you know, I know, I, I guess I know, but the, the, for the lay person, why do you need so many fucking Balgorns? Uh, well, I mean, this might be stra- staggering for someone to, I guess, appreciate, but Laserhawks' fleet had leaned into our lift for quite a while in that fight, and our lift was able to tank the DPS of two PNIs, all of the newts from 39 Nighthawks and those Balgorns, and also rep itself, and if the Nighthawks ever ran off to shoot the fleet, was also able to rep the fleet. And under all of that pressure, our lift didn't run out of cap. So, as you can see, these monsters, with the amount of money that's poured into these fits, are really, really difficult to take down. I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the losses from this fight from both sides combined uh, is dwarfed by the price of the facts on either side. So the, if you want to push one of these faxes over, you just need a lot of new pressure and you're not going to get it without a lot of Balgorns. Well, and we'll, we'll talk here just a minute as well about how important those Balgorns really were, but two more things I want to touch on. The first uh, are um, uh, uh, command destroyers. Uh, one of the things people will, will, will see pretty quickly, five Bifrosts on your side. I think they had seven or eight. Yes, they had seven on, on their side. Uh, I, these are not Lynx Command Desis. I think that's pretty clear. What, what is the, what, what, how much utility are you guys actually getting out of Boosher's uh, in the year of our Lord 2023? I mean, how, 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 big of a di- how big of a difference can they really make in a fight? You know what I mean? They make an absolutely huge difference. Um, for anyone who was not around during the time of inject repping faxes, um, the way people used to break fleets in the past was you'd cap out the fax to zero, and the fax wouldn't mind. He had cap injectors, and if he's timing his injection cycles properly, he's able to either keep himself alive or keep the fleet alive. However, because there's so many moving parts and having to press the inject button and then rep yourself or rep the fleet there's room for error there's room for you know ping to make a difference there's room for apm to make a difference and you can force mistakes like that and then cause things to die in the era of regen faxes that's not nearly the same that's not nearly the case anymore um as long as the fax pilot is paying attention he's not over repping to you know drain his own cap and he's paying attention to broadcasts things shouldn't die due to how fast primaries are switching or because of fumbling of rep cycles or anything like that. Uh, Things are dying because either A, the fax has to juggle its cap and keeping reps up. So, you know, sometimes you might just have to let a target die because if you rep that target up, the cap, the fax will go below peak regen and the fleet has just died. Like, I'd rather lose one battleship than the fax and the fleet. Um, or you have to get the target that the fax is repping out of its optimal range just so that the re- effectiveness of the reps is gone. And that's what command destroyers allow us to do. Mm-hmm. And lets us move huge ball of targets 100 kilometers away from where they were before. And typically these fights are happening under a fax. So once they're teleported 100 kilometers away, that fax is not going to be repping that dude for anything. And he'll drop like a sack of potatoes yeah and and clearly that was the case as well uh and w- again which we'll get to here shortly so one more thing uh, i wanted to touch on uh was these nightmares 
Now, anybody, so this is going to be a weird one too. So nightmares are not a strange comp. Uh, you know, people, especially people who fly in low sec, people who fly in sec are familiar with how strong nightmares in mass can be. But four nightmares in what is a brawl comp seems like a silly choice uh, until you pull up one of these nightmares and you realize that these are not standard nightmares. These are smart bomb nightmares. What is the... What's the what's the what's the thinking here? I mean, this these are I mean again expensive nightmares. You know, C types, X types, uh, you know, uh, uh, blue afterburners, um, burst jams, the whole nine yards, plus a full rack of six Imp Navy EMP smart bombs. Why 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 these? I mean, are you really getting that much damage out of smart bombs on on the enemy fleet? Well, I mean, look at the BR. The highest damage on our side is from a smart bombing nightmare, but more than that, um, ju also just look at the BR. Laserhawks has two PNIs and almost 40 Nighthawks. The average Nighthawk, if it's shooting kinetic missiles, is doing 1,100 DPS. Both of those PNIs are probably doing anywhere from 18 to 22,000 DPS, depending on their abyssal rolls and their drugs and if they're heating or not. That is a lot of damage, and you need some way to be able to mitigate against that. And one of the biggest flaws with missiles is, unlike turreted weapons, their missiles can be destroyed in flight. So we decided, okay, well, if we can't, uh, if we can't brute force and break things under the facts, maybe we can just make those things irrelevant. So we went with four nightmares, and it worked wonders. Our facts was able to tank the DPS because the Nighthawks were not able to apply sufficiently. Uh, when they were primarying our subs, they were having a hard time breaking things, even if they nuded it out and the resists were down. It was still not enough applied DPS to take out our, our ships. And as well, the burst jams were just causing a lot of frustration. One of the biggest things with, uh, with PvP at this scale is synchronization, right? If people don't synchronize their DPS, it just gives the target that much more time to realize that they're going to be the next primary and to broadcast for reps and for a cap to make sure that they can stay alive. And, you know, and if you, if, if those extra few seconds are given, then that might be the difference between taking out a key ship that's kneecapping you and not being able to kill it. Um, and yeah, that's what these smart bombs allowed us to do. I mean, cool. Hawks, as you can see, Hawks had more than us. And they had a home field advantage, yet, yet we were able to hold on grid for almost an hour, hour against all of that. that. And, and one of the biggest reasons for that was those was those nightmares. So let's let's go ahead and skip ahead now back to we we've heard a lot about what you guys Oh, the Matrix is back. Alright, hang on. We're gonna wait and see how long this lasts. Yeah, my my bitrate has not changed, folks. I am so sorry for the uh the robot uh adjacent quality of my voice please let me know when it when it has changed uh, i don't want to get the next part is really really good uh, and i don't want you guys to be suffering suffering uh, as a result uh, oh mark sounds okay it's just cyrus that's so weird because he sounds great to me uh maybe it's an obs thing i have no idea regardless let's go ahead and skip to uh the video cyrus now this this video is not uh, publicly available, so I appreciate you you letting me use it for this show. Um, this is the POV of one of the the smart bombing nightmares. Um, 
And this is already sped up, I believe. No, it's not sped up. We're gonna we're gonna speed through this a little bit because um, I don't want to I don't want it to drag on uh, so much. So let's start with the. Um, let me see here. All right, let's start here. So we're now on grid, right? You guys are in purple here, obviously. Hawks has landed in a ball of Nighthawks. Uh, as we're, we're going to see, maybe. Um, here we go. All right, so their whole fleet lands. You immediately see two P&Is. You see uh, the Minakawa, and you see a bunch of Nighthawks. What is your initial thought? Where, where do you go from here? Well, our first thought is trying to quickly look at the enemy fleet and figure out what do they have? What is their, how are they going to be able to beat us? And what can we do to take them out as quickly as possible? Uh, we saw that they did have a lot of Balgorns, so that was worrying. But they also had two PNIs against our one PNI. And we first, the first thing we saw is that there was one Tango out of position. We thought we might be able to get a cheeky drive by Frag, but as we were burning over there to get that cheeky frag, our PNI was calling out saying that uh, it's struggling to tank under all of this pressure. So we circled around and said, okay, let's see if we can maybe break one of these PNIs before our PNI goes down, or at least take out one of the PNIs so that our PNI can stay alive, and we can take stock of the situation after that and decide what to do next. Now, so we're gonna we're gonna stay here uh, or here. Or you can actually, it's funny too. You can see. Uh, the, the green Tango in the middle of this uh, from where he seemed, he clearly dropped fleet uh, and then died. So that's poor Ova Beast, dead, dead to the world. Um, so you now are in, this is a lot of DPS. I and mean, we, we were talking earlier about how much DPS it is to tank um, for the lift when we were talking about how, you know, how to manage or how they, he, he was managing his cap in this fight. How much damage do you think that the, this PNI was forced to tank in the time that it was on the grid? Uh, in terms of DPS, yeah. probably somewhere around 60 to 80, yeah. right? I mean, I don't know if the Nighthawks were shooting Kin into the PNI or if they were shooting EM. Mm -hmm. If they were shooting EM, it would be a little bit less. And the Smart Bombs and Burst Jams are obviously shedding some of that DPS, but there's nothing we can do about the PNIs, and those by themselves are going to be doing about 40 to 45k. Right. So he had quite the quite the task to try and tank but unfortunately he just couldn't get it done um the pressure was too much and he goes down not too long after the start of the fight yeah i think if we go to i'm gonna skip ahead just a little bit here uh because this pni really does not last too long it really was a staggering amount of dps on the grid um i had the the privilege of being able to cast this one i think this is maybe it uh i think he may be already be gone by this point but regardless, okay, so... You can see him on the uh, watch list. That's right. He's still there. Oh, no, he's not there anymore. He's down at this point. So let me skip back up to here. Uh, I think... Let's go... Hereabouts. Well, regardless, he's already dead. Yeah, he's already dead at this point. So your PNI goes down. Now you're in a position where all you have left is the triage. They've still got all of their DPS plus... Uh, you know, their, their caps. Uh, what is your next thought? Where, where's the, what's the next move here? Well, our first thought is, well, 
the PNI went down, mm -hmm. I wonder if the lift can tank what's on grid. Uh, the one benefit that the lift has is it doesn't have to inject rep, whereas the PNI did. So we know that it's just a question of he doesn't have to worry about his inject cycles and trying to sync all those up. It's just the binary. Is there enough DPS or is there not enough DPS? So our first thought was like, okay, let's let's just get on top of our lift. Let's do our thing. Let's try and mitigate as much DPS as we can and look for opportunities in this position here. And after a few minutes, our lift pilot says, no, I'm fine. The newts are not enough to break me down. The DPS, I'm able to tank and I'm able to keep you guys alive. Um, let's, uh, I think you're okay, Cyrus. You can start looking for uh, new opportunities and new options to try and win this fight. How quickly did you know that you weren't going to be able to break the, because at one point the, um, I think actually I just missed something. So let me zoom back here just a little bit. Uh, at one point you guys are all sitting on top of the enemy Phoenix Navy. Um, and then, it, you know, it clearly it's tanking pretty well. And then you pull off. At what point do you decide it's not worth trying to tunnel on this thing? We need to find a different target. Um, fairly quickly. I think I just, we decided on not bothering with the PNIs basically once the lift said, he's okay and he's not going to need to like, he's not under threat of dying instantly. Mm -hmm. uh, once that we found that out, we decided, okay, the PNI is going to take us at least 15 minutes, if not longer to break. And it's going to be very difficult because we only have sub cap DPS. We have maybe 25, 30,000 DPS on grid. The lift or the PNI, if he's even messing up half the time, is going to be able to tank us. So it's not worth focusing on him. Let's focus on breaking the subcaps because people multi-box those, and when there's multi-boxing, there's room for mistakes. Uh, so let's let's take a look. So we, we mentioned Bifrost earlier, and this is gonna you know play like I said, play a pretty pretty big part in this thing. We can already see one of these Bifrosts. Uh, I'm I'm gonna point at here on the screen with my cursor uh, has just landed on grid. Now, this is probably something that there are probably a lot of people who know what this is, um, but I imagine there are probably a, a, quite a few more who have no idea what the what spear fishing means or what hooking means. So for the, the, the sake of argument, when you talk about spear fishing uh, and with how it relates to command destroyers, what does that mean? Uh, what spear fishing is, is that so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the way a command destroyer works is it has a module called the um, micro jump drive field generator, I believe it's called. Yeah. And what that does is anything within six kilometers of the command destroyer will get teleported 100 kilometers away, up to 25 ships. Now, the problem with fights of this size is, as you can see, there's bubbles up everywhere and you know, everyone's paying attention. If you just warp in, you know, you have to burn 20, 20, 25 kilometers to first get to your target, and then you have to boosh. And doing that is a fool's errand because if you're scrammed in a command destroyer, your your micro your MJD doesn't work anymore, and you're just dead in the water. So what you have to do instead is something called spear fishing, where you start 100 kilometers away with two command destroyers. You activate your MJD on the first one. And then you activate shortly after the MGD on the second one, so that when you land, a second or two later, the MGD of the second command destroyer goes off. And what this does is, one, you get your MGD off that you wanted to do, and two, uh, anything that wanted to scram you just doesn't have the opportunity to do so. And 
that's what we started to utilize once we saw that the lift was going to tank. Uh, the fleet's okay. It's time to start killing things. Uh, obviously, killing things under the facts is going to be really difficult, but killing things 100 kilometers away from the facts, why not? Sure. So immediately you can see, we'll, we'll see it immediately, uh, right after I click play here. Uh, this Bifrost has now spooled, and away he goes, and takes with him. And you can see he's now taken with him, clearly, Balgorns. Uh, these are these lines at the bottom. These are, uh, are, are newts uh, or nosses that are, that are now, you know, the visual effect is still there uh, because, you know, it's the, the module is still running uh, until the end of its cycle when it will be out of range. Um, but he has now boosted off Balgorns. Um, which I have to think is, you know, in a, in a fight like this, and you can now see way over here in the corner, uh, over this way, there are, you know, a big group of Nighthawks, clearly some Balgorns over there as well. Um, when this, when a boosh goes off like that, and you've now moved a chunk of the fleet away, how quickly does it take you guys to, um, one, I guess, uh, determine what all got moved away, whether it was your fleet or their fleet, and two, whether it's worth diving on the targets that were now pushed away from, um, you know, their friendly triage to try and get some kills. Well, the first thing that we have to decide is, like you said, whether it's worth burning. In this circumstance, it almost always is worth burning just because we're not going to be able to kill things under the facts, but we will be able to kill things there. So 99 times out of 100, it'll be worth to burn over there. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, as we're burning, you know, we have maybe 15, 20 seconds in the time it takes us to burn there to take stock of what got boosted, And there we can decide what needs to die first. Balgorns, like I said, are the key here to be able to push over our facts. So our priority was Balgorns. Get all the Balgorns scrammed or as many of them as possible. Get them webbed. Start bumping them away in case they got a little too close to the facts and start fragging. And we can see, if you watch down here, you can see down this bottom section, this big wave of purple with you in the front there in that claymore uh, burning towards this group over here on the side, back over this way. While the Hawks fleet looks like they're, they're doing more or less, I mean, they look like they're trying to, to, to gather together. Now, whether or not that's because these guys are actually trying to re-engage with their fleet or because they were just, you know, they were anchored and they're just trying to re-anchor now uh, automatically is neither here nor there. I guess, so one of the other things we're gonna, we, I wanted to talk about, uh, and since we're talking about a nightmare POV in this footage, one of the things you're gonna see in this video is that the nightmares, and you, you'll be able to, you know, obviously clearly, you can see the, the, the smart bomb effect going off here. Um, these nightmares tend to stay, not so much with your guys' fleet, uh, but they, they just sit right on top of the enemy fleet. Uh, while that does offer you, obviously you're doing chip damage constantly to all the ships within that range. Um, the same thing could could be said about your guys' incoming DPS, right? Where the missiles that are coming off of your, your Tengus from your Nighthawks uh, aren't going to get to the their target as easily as if there was no Nightmare there at all. So what what's the plan when you have the Nightmare sitting on their fleet trying to mitigate their damage? when you want to go in and, and in on them and, and you know and try and frag something yourself well the main thing is is that the fleet is going to be anchored on the enemy anchor but obviously the things that have been pulled away um they're going to be separated and i can i can i can tell the nightmares where to go if mm -hmm. the nightmares are in the middle of my target i can just tell them hey you know um you need to pull away because we're not going to kill what we're trying to kill 
Um, or if they're just away because they're shadowing the enemy fleet and the enemy fleet's going for somewhere else, something else, then doesn't doesn't bother me at all. I'll just keep shooting what I want to shoot. So, looking at this footage too now, clearly there there you know these these two masses of ships. One of the things I like to talk about, uh, or, or that I did talk about during this stream uh, when we when we were watching this, is that there there are always multiple smaller fights happening all at the same time. Um, you as an FC, you know, kind of have to have you know you, you know six brains running right to to know you know not just the state of your own fleet, but also the state of your triage, the state of your other logi, the, the state of your DPS, you know, what you have available at all at any given moment. Um, and at, at the same time, there's this, there's a sphere of, you know, uh, smaller actions happening on the periphery. You've got boosters out here. You've got, you know, ECM ships out here. You've got, uh, things like the, the Orthrus hit squad that, that they had out in this fight. How, how do you keep track or do you, are you even able to keep track of all these smaller things happening on the fringes when things are happening this fast? I mean, it's really, really difficult to keep track of all of the minutia that's going on. Um, what you really have to do is just split the job up amongst all of the people that you trust, right? You've got people in the fleet who are capable or experienced enough to understand and help me read the grid, and they'll be looking out for things that uh, I won't be looking out for. For example, they'll be, well, I'm focusing on what's out of position and what we need to primary in order to make sure our fleet is not... Uh, put in a tough position i've got people who will tell me oh the enemy fleet is burning in this direction these ships might have to watch out it looks like they might be going for them or the enemy fleet is burning for this target you know they might be trying to um make this kind of play and let's prepare for that mm -hmm. or they might say or we might have people say hey the enemy fleet um they've, they've realized that we're webbing their anchors we need to we need to figure out who their new anchor is or the boosher, you know, he goes off and boosts a target. He can he can be the one to identify and say, hey, I mean, you can see it right now in your video. He can read out for me. Oh, I got all of these ships with my boosh, Cyrus. Do you want to uh, keep doing whatever you were doing, or do you want to switch tactics and move to what we just booshed? So, it, in 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 a nutshell, you just have to depend on your team to help you make those calls and be your twelfth pair of eyes, sure. twelfth pair of ears here. So. Uh... Let's go ahead. I'm going to skip forward a little bit more because I want to find the moment. Let me see where it's at. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, okay, here. This is actually a good point. So there, there were a couple times in here where um, they. I mean, so what you're seeing right here now, if you, if it's not clear, uh, the lift is in the middle of this this big ball of ships. Clearly, there are plenty of hawks, night hawks, uh, surrounding it. There were a couple times where it seemed like they would go back to put pressure on the lift. Um, in those moments where there's not a whole lot of incoming DPS to your the rest of the fleet specifically, how w what is your thinking there when it comes to you know now I have an opportunity to you know maybe take you know are you easing off the gas at all in terms of how much uh, thinking has to go into it or you know are you I guess my the the question is. Does, is it easier when the focus is all on one target that can seemingly, you know, handle itself, uh, or does does the mind keep going regardless? It it keeps going. It's more that the brain goes from what do we do now to what do we do next. Mm -hmm. So if they're focusing something and that thing is able to tank fine, like this lift here, 
rather than saying, okay, we need to do something, we say, all right, well, we're not under any kind of stress. What are their weak points and what do we do to exploit them? Sure. Uh, I wanted to say too, because we saw it a second ago where uh, you guys had two Boucher's land and then immediately afterwards we saw a hyena and a savior land uh, and the Orthrus, of course, was not too far behind it. Um, you're, you have a, uh, a couple of very skilled uh, command destroyer pilots. Uh, you know, Taber is obviously one of the best. Julius might be the best. Um, in terms of, oh, mid-grade Nirvana pod. Tough shit, Overbeast. Um, in terms of how you mitigate bushing, uh, you know, clearly one of the things people have done in the past is bring, uh, you know, plenty of of uh, Hictors, you know, to have on grid to try and fast scram things as they jump in. Um, but Hawks didn't do that. They did something a little bit different. What did you? What did? What did your bushers see during this fight? Well, one, they did. I mean, there are, I believe there were two Onyxes on top of the fleet. But the other thing they did is Julius is very deadly when he has time to set up. He'll he'll sit out at, you know, 100 kilometers, line up his boosters properly. And when he's ready to go, presses that boosh button and then all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. uh, and Hawks has recognized this. So what their solution is, is just they have an entire squad full of sabers, hyenas and orthrus just to combat scan Julius whenever he lands and just fling them at fling that entire squad at him. So he just does not have time to set up and Julius will have to ping several times to sh shake them. And then once he's shaken them, then he can take his time to set up. But if he's sloppy and he doesn't uh, notice that they're hunting him down, then it's not going to take very long for them to get all those sabers on top of him and just frag those command destroyers before he's able to be effective. Right. So let's skip ahead a little bit. There were obviously lots... There's a lot of back and forth in this fight. I think everybody would probably agree. Um, at one point, you guys did go in on the uh, on their Minikawa as well, I believe. Um, it was a called target. Uh, clearly, it was tanking just fine, too. I'm sure that Minikawa had plenty of money behind it. Uh, I want to skip ahead to the moment. And let me see if I can find it here. Um, I don't remember exactly when it was in this fight. Um, but the the setup for it is that most of I actually just skipped it I think, um, let me see, nope that was on the other side sorry give me one moment here. Oh where is it at? Uh, because so you right now you have oh, uh, you have a we can actually use this as an example so let's take us let's take it back just a little bit. Um, the way these fleets are set up right now the Hawks fleets all over here kind of on the right. Uh, you guys are up kind of off off camera here uh, over you know, even further to the right. And over here on the left, you can see the Minakawa and then a bunch of Balgorns sitting on top of it. And I have to imagine these Balgorns were giving the Minakawa a hard time because there were a couple things that the Minakawa lost that were effectively sitting right underneath it um, that it should have been able to get a hold of but was not able to. Um, and then... You know these these Balgorns are are you know more or less effectively able to you know AFK over there, uh, and that put them in a dangerous position because uh, if I can find it here, it'll be pretty obvious once it happens. Let's skip ahead just a little bit more. I should have had timestamps. I should have made timestamps for myself. That would have been a smart thing to do. Uh, oh yeah, this is it. So the. Uh, all of them are on top of the lift. 
and then shortly hereafter, a boosh goes off, and suddenly there are no more Balgorns on top of the Minakawa. Actually, it just happened. You can see the minnow over here on the right, and if it this when this camera swings around, you're going to see it. Uh, all of the Balgorns were booshed off all at once. How critical of a play was that from Hawks uh, in your mind? That, I'm pretty sure, single-handedly won them the fight. Because with those Balgorns there, we are able to put so much pressure on their minnow that Hawks has to put in a lot of work to make sure that things stay alive. And as you said, it looks like the minnow had to make a few sacrifices and then a few ships die. But once they boosted off those Balgorns and were able to kill some of them, our ability to put pressure on the minnow was gone. And we had essentially, they had essentially just stalemated the fight right there because mm -hmm. they didn't have enough to kill our lift, we, but we no longer had enough to kill, it, kill their minnow. Right. Um, and that just means that at best we can get a tie, but since we're in Hawks' home, Hawks obviously can decide, all right, we're done playing now. Let's undock 20 dreads and just sure. clean this up. Right? So, so, well, I was going to ask too, because you could tell they responded immediately. I mean, they knew the moment it happened, uh, you can watch all of these ships immediately start pulling off that way. Um, was this a situation where once it happened, there was anything that you were able to do to mitigate it? Or were they already dead the moment they got booshed off? There was one chance we had to save them. Uh, our command destroyer pilot, Julius, was prepared to boost them off. But unfortunately, you can't really see it in this recording. I, But I remember distinctly when I was watching. He was the unfortunate victim of desync. And when his boosters cycled, they flew all over the place. They did not land at the target they were supposed to. Um, and because he missed that boosh, he wasn't able to save those Balgorns, and it was over for them. They they were all going to die. So you mentioned desync, and and for non, uh, for for a lot of people that may be that may sound you know, what 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 is is it like a lag issue? But um, we've been seeing more and more desync in high class during these fights over the last couple of months. What is desync from your guys' perspective? Desync is a phenomenon where due to, let's say, a miscommunication or a difference in communication between the client and the server, what the, what the player sees on the screen and what the server understands is going on in the game do not match up. So what the player will see is, you know, if you look at this video right here, they'll say, oh, okay, the Balgorn of Pablana is, you know, eight ten eleven kilometers away from me mm -hmm. i can uh i can do whatever i want to right i can put webs or newts or whatever but when someone goes to apply those modules the server will tell them they can't do that because they're too far away um and what that can cause is one you know you're burning for a target and on your overview it looks like you're right beside it so you want to tackle it but you can't because he's not actually right beside you so instead of being able to tackle a target he just warps off or you need to nude a target and you can't nude him because he's too far or to rep him or et cetera. Anything that needs that is, you know, dictated by range doesn't work anymore because you can't trust your overview. So I actually think we might see Julius line up again here down at the bottom. Um, well, <laughs> I think, I think this was his attempt to try and save the bells. Yeah. We're, we're, I, I don't remember for sure. We're going to miss it because the, they went off not at the same time or they didn't go off together. Uh, and one of them was left behind. So regardless uh, of how that played out, you're now in a position 
where you still have quite a bit of DPS left on the grid and you still have your triage, but you've lost what is the win condition, right? You don't have that newt pressure that you can put on their triage anymore, which is going to effectively allow their triage to, you know, carte blanche over, um, you know, sustaining their fleet. At this point, what is the thinking? Are, are, are you thinking we need to get out? Or are you thinking, you know, I, I'm, you know, there's still something we can do here. What's, what's, where's your head at? At that point, once I took stock and saw how many Balgorns we had left, I was like, okay, well, there really is not much we can do here anymore. We're not able to put enough pressure on the facts. The facts will be able to just run everything and laugh at us. We don't quite have the DPS to break things before reps land. It's it's time to leave because mm -hmm. sure we can try and wait and maybe Hawks will get tired and they'll make a mistake and we can exploit it, but we're susceptible to the ex exact same thing. Maybe we'll make a mistake and and feed the entire fleet. So we thought, okay, well, there's no clear way for us to win this fight. It's time to it's time to what is it called? Cut our losses and get out of here. Sure. So that's what we started planning on doing. So. It's hard, though, to get out. I mean, this is not an easy extract. You're not just jumping a gate over. You have to find a wormhole that you can jump through and get the entire fleet out. And you already had to do a bunch of navigating to get the fleet in. Now, granted, you've lost plenty of ships in between then and now. Uh, how do you navigate getting everything off grid? Is, the, is it is there any point where there's some calculus about what gets left behind? Or are you trying to get everything out all the time? The... Only thing we would leave behind is if something is tackled and we can't shake the tackle. So, mm -hmm. you know, if something is in the middle of their ball, which you can see, there's a few nightmares and a widow in the middle of their gang there. And there's no way we're going to be able to free those. So we say, okay, those ones are those ones are dead. We're not going to be able to do anything about that. But everything else, just frag anything that, the, that you can, that could possibly hold us down, get everybody aligned so we warp together and there's no stragglers. And... Once it's time, we're out of here. Sure. And that was, I think, more or less where this goes from here. Uh, there's a little bit more back and forth. Obviously, the um, the Hawks fleet does go after some of these nightmares um, that were suddenly no longer able to run their, their smart bombs as effectively uh, without having cap fed to them. Uh, but the rest of the fleet was able to warp away and then get off. Uh, so we'll go back to the BR. Like I said, this was a fight that you guys lost, but the numbers themselves are not so staggering uh, as as it obviously could have been. Um, most of the Tengus got out. Most of the, all the Lokis got out. Um, you know, and, and I know that those those Lokis are not cheap. What do you take away? Oh, and obviously the lift gets out too, which was uh, I don't even want to think about what what was going on with that lift. So. When you're in the aftermath of this, you're sitting in you're sitting in comms. You've got your boys there. Um, what is the message that you deliver to a fleet uh, when you've you, you've lost like this? And, and that's not to say that the the loss was horrible. Just that the loss. I mean, any loss when when you're talking about these numbers, when you're talking about you know on average you lost you know a bill a person right or a bill a tune in fleet. Um, and that would be something that would, would cripple a lot of groups. Um, but clearly this is something that you guys are able to do. You guys are, are, are good at it. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've come back plenty of times and done it, you know, consistently over and over again. What message do you give to your guys after a fight like this? I point out to them what we did, how it went, um, you know, remind them that even though we lost, you know, Hawks was 
it wasn't a cakewalk for them. They it, they had to work really, really hard for that win, which means that if we just work a little harder and push a little more and think a little more, we can probably get them next time mm -hmm. and make sure to apply for SRP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Cyrus, I appreciate your insight. This is, uh, you know, I, I love going through these. I love breaking down wormhole fights. And I love being having the opportunity to do that in front of a group who may not be so familiar with how fights happen in wormhole space. Um, you know, it, it's easy just to look at, you know, a BR and think, well, this is just a bunch of blinged out nonsense getting thrown at each other. Um, but, you know, at least in my perspective, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you probably share, uh, you know, a similar point of view, there's so much that goes into it in the setup before one of these fights, uh, you know, it, not just in the you know, the tactics of how the fight actually happens, but the logistics of getting there, the, the logistics of getting people in fleet, uh, the logistics of getting people back into ships after one of these fights. There's so many moving parts. It's like it's like one. It's like a game within a game, right? Yeah. So, uh, I uh, this has been a lot of fun. Obviously, we are right on. We're actually a little bit over time. Uh, thank you all so much for sticking with us today uh, and going through this. I know it was a little bit different than what we normally do, uh, but I, I think this kind of thing is important. It's why I ran for the CSM in the first place, because I wanted uh, to have more exposure for my worm people. Uh, and I appreciate all of you guys uh, being patient with me. Uh, and, 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 and I hope that you enjoyed what we were able to present today. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out, of course, to Cyrus um, and all of his guys uh, who you know invited me uh, to this. And I also want to give a shout out to Kasich Cook. Uh, the FC from Laserhawks, uh, who you know signed off uh, on his side to allow me to come stream this fight. It's always a lot of fun whenever we get to do this. Uh, and also a shout out to Kasig uh, for being apparently the only man in Laserhawks who tried to call off the dogs when those fucking rats killed my monitor after the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See that? See this? See over here? This is journalism. They, they shot a journalist in the streets. You understand? That's what this is. These are terrorists. Terrorists in this in this corp. Anyway, so thanks to you, Kasig. Appreciate your uh, your hard work there. Um, anyway, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Brisk will be feeling better. Uh, we'll have all sorts of stuff to talk about. The November expansion is coming quickly. Uh, Havoc is is going to be upon us shortly, uh, and I'm sure we'll have all sorts of neat things to talk about. Then, until then, folks. Uh, my name is Mark Resurrectus. With me has been, of course, Cyrus Karouche. We'll be back uh, next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week, and you stay chaotic, New Eden.